So it's good to see you all here this morning. Did you enjoy that extra hour of sleep last night? Yeah? So did I. Daylight savings time has finally come to an end. But it's not the only thing that's coming to an end. This Tuesday, this election season is coming to an end. Yay! It's election day. (laughs) So it sounds like all of you with myself are ready to see this season end. I am so glad it's going to be over because it has been a rough one, hasn't it? It's been incredibly rough. It's been incredibly verbally abusive and emotionally violent this time. I cannot remember a time in my life when it's been this rough. It's just amazing. It's it's like that sense of common humanity that we share with other people has just been unraveling at the seams. It's just been amazing. Um that we're seeing this happen even amongst Christians, and not only amongst Christians, but especially amongst Christians, because we just get so charged up about things and what we believe. And I have seen so many hateful things just being sent back and forth on Facebook and, and other social media. It seems like friends have turned against friends over differing political views, and it's just really been sad and discouraging to me. And so I'm really glad that, that we're coming to this end of, of this time and this season of, of this political madness is what I think it is. And I, I think it's very driven by fear. I think fear is an incredibly powerful thing. Um, I think that, that folks are just worried. They're, they're fearful about harm that may come about if things don't go the way that they had hoped. And then they're left with this resulting feeling of powerlessness to do anything about it. It can be incredibly stressful um, for, all, for people. In a recent poll that I was taking a look at, 52% of adults say this election has been a significant source of stress. And, and I believe it. I, I believe it. Yet, in the midst of all this mudslinging and this chaos that we have found ourselves in, We are still called to love one another, and yes, even to love our enemies and those people that we do not agree with. This still stands as one of the great commandments. But let's be honest with ourselves, because it's not just during political seasons and election years that we have a challenge loving each other and loving everyone. In fact, sometimes... We can find it hard even to love ourselves. Would you tend to agree? Talk about feeling powerless. But what can we do about this? If you will, please open your Bibles, and we'll turn to Matthew 7. And we're going to take a look at a portion of the Sermon on the Mount. So that's Matthew 7, and I'll be starting in verse 1. And this is, of course, Jesus talking. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. In the past, 
I always thought this passage was only about being a hypocrite and about judging other people, and it's true, it is. But as I studied it, I'm looking at it much differently now. There is so much more treasure in this passage than I ever realized before. After a little digging, we can find in this passage that Jesus is really expressing his deep love and his deep concern for our hearts because Jesus cares about hearts. And I think that one reason why he brings attention to the log in our own eye is because obviously a log in our eye is going to keep us from seeing clearly. It keeps us from seeing clearly into our own hearts. Flip back a page or so to Matthew 6, and let's take a look at verse 22 of Matthew 6. And I'm reading today from the New American Standard Bible, so it may not match up exactly with what you're reading. So Matthew 6, verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, or in this case, blinded by a log, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? So if we have a log in our own eye, naturally we're going to be blind to what's inside of us. We're going to be blind to what's inside of our own hearts. And how important it is that we know what's in our own hearts. So let's flip back again to Matthew 7. I want to read verse 5 over again. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. It's an interesting thing, this word hypocrite. Hypocrite. A hypocrite was a metaphor back then for a stage actor. Back then, it was customary for Greek and Roman actors to speak into large masks that had a mechanical device that augmented their voice or amplified their voice. Now, we know that the purpose of a mask is to hide or to conceal identity. We just had Halloween this last week, and we had trick-or-treaters running around all over the place with masks on, having a ball hiding their identity. They got to be somebody else for a day, and that was fun. But the kind of mask I'm talking about covers our hearts, and I think the kind of mask that Jesus was talking about is a mask that covers our hearts, and it hides us, and it keeps the real us from shining through. So could it be here that in this passage that Jesus isn't only saying, don't be a hypocrite, don't judge other people, but maybe he's saying to us, take off the mask, get the log out of your eye, and let your true light shine through, Because when the log is removed and the masks are removed, the light will reveal our true destinies, our God-given destinies. And the light also reveals those things that are inside of us that are hindering or altogether stopping us from reaching our God-given destinies. And that's mostly what I want to talk about today you can see that it would be so critical to identify those things in our hearts that sabotage us. Because it keeps us from living our lives to the absolute fullest. So where do we start? How do we start? How do we identify those things that are hiding in our hearts that keep us from living out our God-given destinies? The first step into dealing with 
with what's in our heart is to make a decision to be true to your heart. And that's the title of my message today. Be true to your own heart. Because Jesus is truly the lover and healer of our hearts. And I truly believe that in this passage, he's urging us to be true to our own hearts. Remove the masks. Remove the logs. And let's be honest with ourselves about what's in our hearts. It's not complicated. We just have to start. And the best place to start is simply by becoming an observer of what's in your own heart. Now, this is really, really important because what we tend to do is be judges of what's in our own hearts. That's why Jesus said, do not judge. By being an observer instead of a judge, you create a place of safety for your heart to express itself and be real and be authentic. But our hearts need that safety. So we have to be friendly and polite to our own hearts. Sometimes there are things in our hearts that are shameful or painful, and we don't want to admit it's there. So we try to ignore it, or we try to deny it, or push it completely out of our awareness. But I can assure you that that won't make it go away. It will wait there, sometimes patiently, sometimes impatiently, but sooner or later, it's going to raise its head, And it's going to remind you that it's there and that it wants your attention. Usually by causing some kind of problem in our lives. Am I right? So be aware of what's in your heart, but don't try to stop it. Don't try to stop your thoughts and your feelings and your desires or whatever else you have going on in there. Because let me tell you, that's the same as trying to stop somebody who's talking to you. If somebody comes up to you and wants to share something with you and you put up your hand and say, stop, I do not want to hear what you have to say. (laughs) That's rude. (laughs) So I'm saying, don't be rude to your heart. Can you imagine how that would affect your relationships with your spouse and your kids and your friends if you did that? Stop. I don't want to hear what you have to say. They would stop communicating with you, and your heart will do the same thing. Your heart will stop communicating with you. But I'll tell you something. Your heart won't stop causing problems until you pay attention to it. So listen to this. It's as important to foster a good relationship with your own heart as it is to foster relationships with other people. Now, that's worth hearing again. It's as important to foster a good relationship with your own heart as it is to foster good relationships with other people. But unfortunately, we tend to be really harsh with ourselves because sometimes we find all that undesirable and painful stuff in our hearts. We find things like regret and shame and unforgiveness and sorrow, memories that are sad, memories that are traumatic, and thus all kinds of other unpleasant stuff. We can really stuff a lot of painful things deep down into our heart. But we have to remember the good news in all of this. And we have to remember that these things do not define us and they do not give us our identity. We have to understand that we are not our thoughts. We are not our feelings. We are thinkers 
but we're not our thoughts. We're feelers, but we're not our feelings. I had to remind myself on that fact this morning on my way to church because I was feeling nervous. I always get kind of nervous when I have to speak. And I was having to say to myself, Shelly, you're a feeler. You are not a feeling. And just acknowledging that really helped me to let that nervousness go. By the time I got here, I was absolutely fine. So try that on yourself. But remember, you are a thinker, you are a feeler, you are a soul. You're not a thought, you're not a feeling, you're not a desire, you're not a memory. What's happened in your past and what you have done doesn't define you. What you are is a soul created in the image of God. What you are is holy and accepted by God, no matter what painful or shameful thing lurks in your past or is hiding in your heart. God has written a unique destiny just for you that he wants to see fulfilled no matter what. So this is really important. Don't use the tree of knowledge of good and evil to beat your heart into submission. It won't work. Remember, only death is produced there. So don't beat your heart to death. When Jesus said, do not judge, He wasn't only talking about us judging others. He was talking about us judging ourselves. And and he was talking about a harsh judgment. When he said, do not judge, he was talking about us not harshly judging ourselves. And he wouldn't say this if he wasn't talking about a harsh judgment. Now, it doesn't mean that we're going to approve of everything that we find in our hearts. And it doesn't mean that we don't need to make changes for improvement. Our hearts need healing. But beating our hearts up is not going to heal our heart. If our hearts are going to be healed, our hearts need a place of safety, and they need permission to be honest and to be real. Let's take a look again at the first two verses of Matthew 7. But this time, let Jesus talk to you about you. So how about if we read it this way first? Do not judge yourself so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge yourself, that's how you will be judged. And by your standard of measure that you judge yourself, it will be measured to you. Our hearts have to have a safe place, free from our own judgment to express itself. So don't dole out a harsh measure of judgment against yourself. Be kind to yourself. Be merciful and compassionate to yourself. Because only when we give our hearts a place of safety to be real and to be authentic are we able to completely yield our thoughts and our feelings and our memories and our desires to the Holy Spirit so he can begin the healing process. And when we allow what's in the dark to come into the light, then we can face it with Jesus. And that's the best part. We can take that troubling thought or that feeling or that desire or that memory and we can give it to Jesus. And when we face things with Jesus, what we find out is that all of those things, those thoughts, those feelings, those memories, those traumas, whatever, they're really not as big as we feared they were. After all, things are always scarier when we're alone and when we're in the dark. And you'll find as you face your fears 
and your shames and your traumas in the light with Jesus, that they lose their power and they lose their control over you. And you with Jesus will begin to take control over them. It's an incredibly empowering thing. And when you allow Jesus to expose what's in the dark and he shines his light into your heart, you might be amazed to learn that every single negative thought and feeling and desire that you ever had really had a positive intention for yourself behind it. Who knew? You never really did mean to harm yourself. After all, Paul said in Ephesians 5:29, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their own body. You see, underneath it all, all you ever really wanted was something good for yourself. And God will show you that all he ever really wanted was to heal you and to fulfill your desires but in a healthy and productive way. And when this happens, and only then, can we begin to step into our true identity and the true destiny of who we are created to be. And that is the place where we find true joy and true peace. And furthermore, when we come into this place of being true to our own hearts with Jesus, and we allow him to bring in his light and his healing then we can really begin to love ourselves and we can begin to love others, even our enemies. Because just like that, all they really want is something good for themselves. And if they ask, now we can help them to remove the speck from their eye. Because now we can be motivated by love and not judgment or anger or fear, or disgust. Anyone who has ever had a speck in their eye knows that it can be very painful. And it requires a great deal of gentleness and care to have it taken out. We have to be motivated by love for ourselves and for our others. We can truly help each other when we're motivated by love. And we're motivated by care. And we're motivated by gentleness. And then together, we can tap into our God-given creativity to make positive changes in our own lives, in others' lives, in our churches, in our schools, in our communities, and in our world. And that's the place where we can become Doers of overcoming evil with good. Now, today is Communion Sunday, and in a few moments, we're going to invite you to come up and share communion. But the best part of communion really is the reality of our union with Jesus. And so, as you come up this morning, really just Focus on your union with Christ and how he longs to set your heart free so that you can be the best you that he created you to be. I'm going to start by leading us in prayer, and then you can come up, and afterwards we'll have our ministry team available. Some of us will be up here to pray for you. So if you need healing in your heart, we'll join with you. We'll join with you in, in asking Jesus to show, shine that, his light on that place in your heart 
and, and will provide a place of safety for you so that you can be true to your own heart. If you need prayer for healing in your body, we'll pray with you. If you need heal for any other reason, we'll be back, so happy to be up here to, to pray with you. So we'll go ahead. Could we just have some, some music? Just something soft. That way we can let our worship team participate in communion this first service. All right, go ahead and just bow your heads with me, please. Oh, Lord, we're so thankful for the love, Lord, that you showed us as you gave your body to be broken and your blood poured out so we can be in union with you. Thank you, Lord. for your perfect love, and for caring so deeply for our hearts, Lord. Thank you for giving us safety to be true to our own hearts so that your love can transform and heal us. Lord, we ask you now just to join us in those, those places in our hearts where we need healing. Take our hands, take our hearts, and lead us to become who you truly created us to be and to walk in the destiny that you have written for us. Lord, we just thank you for the privilege of being able to share in your table together. So you can come on up, participate in communion, and we will be up here to pray with you.